It's been said that every quilt tells a story, and it's so true. But I also believe every quilter has a story to tell. I wanted to hear about the people behind these wonderful quilts and thought you'd enjoy hearing about their lives also. Welcome to A Quilter's Life. Jennifer Davis is the owner of The Little Shop of Stitches in Miamisburg, Ohio. One of her customers, Lindsay Donaldson, contacted me and wanted to hear Jen's story. I'm so thankful to Lindsay for her suggestion. Jen has kept her quilting community going even through this time of COVID with her kind, caring demeanor. I had the pleasure of watching one of her Tuesday live sales on Facebook where she made you feel so at home. You could tell by the comments flowing that her customers love her. I'm so glad to be visiting with Jennifer Davis. Jennifer, do you prefer to be called Jennifer or Jen? You know what? Jennifer is my formal name. That's usually how I introduce myself, but anybody who knows me just calls me Jen. So where do I fit in? That's a really good question. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to let you pick. I don't go by Jenny, though. Nobody calls me Jenny. Okay. Well, let's start. Where were you born and raised? I was born in Muncie, Indiana, at Ball State Hospital, and I'm a Midwest girl, so we moved to Ohio when I was wee little, and I've been here ever since. What part of Ohio is that? Currently, I am in the south of Dayton area. I've lived in the Lima area and also a suburb of Columbus as well. Hmm. Do you have a special childhood memory? Oh, my goodness. I would probably say the strongest memory I have is spending time on my grandma and grandpa's farm up in Lima. They had a farm that was in the family for about 150 years. And whenever I went to visit there at the farm, it was like time stood still. Nothing ever changed at the farm. And unfortunately, it's no longer there. And I miss that. But that's probably my favorite memory. Nice. What did they have on the farm? Grandpa was a farmer until I was pretty little. So I only have a vague memory of the farm actually being a working, functioning farm. They had some cows, some pigs, some chickens, some rabbits. The whole area was surrounded with fields. So I think he flip-flopped between planting corn and soybeans. And then he had a fishing pond way out back. It was playing in the barnyard and in the barns and with the animals that I remember as a little kid. Mm-hmm. Have fun. Yeah. So before we talk about quilting and your quilting mm-hmm. journey, did you have a career? Yes. I am trained as a teacher. So I have a bachelor's degree and a master's degree in education. And I've taught everything from 13-week-olds in a daycare situation to 13-year-olds in public school. So when I decided that it was time for a career change, this is what it became. So I am now a quilt shop owner. (laughs) What did you like about teaching? Well, my minor is in math. So I did an awful lot of math teaching. That was oftentimes my favorite subject. But my second favorite subject, at least as a student, was art. And I liked the fact that 
as teachers, at least the way that it used to be, we were charged with getting to know the little human beings that came in the door that first year, figure out who they were as individuals, as people, and then taking them and guiding them as best we can and taking them as far as we could with with the skills that they had and building on that. So I truly felt, at least in the early days, that I was being helpful. Neat. Now, how did you end up getting to Miamisburg? It was, in a roundabout way, a teaching job, actually. I went to college down at OU, down in Athens, Ohio, not too far from you, Mm -hmm. and went to a job fair there and was hired right out of college for a teaching job over here in the Dayton area. didn't know anyone. My family was still living in the Columbus area at the time, so I moved over here by myself and lived by myself that first year. And I ended up sharing an apartment with a college friend of mine as she moved back to the area. So we got an apartment down here in Miamisburg and I never left. Cool. Yeah. Besides quilting, what other crafts do you do or have you done? I have always been kind of crafty and artistic. So I've dabbled and tried a lot of different things. I have beaded in high school. I did a lot of painting and drawing, which someday I'd like to get back to. I have tried crochet and knitting. They just don't seem to fit in my head. So I don't do very well with those. I've done scrapbooking, kind of a little bit of everything. So, you know, you walk through Michael's and go, yep, I've done that. And I've done that. And I've done that. (laughs) So yeah, this just kind of seemed to be a natural progression. Do you have any other hobbies besides craft hobbies? I don't have a whole lot of free time. I like to read every night before I go to sleep. I enjoy books quite a lot. I have a, I think, a decent variety of books, although some people may argue that I stick with the same. But I like books. I like some movies. But I truly don't have a whole lot of time for other things. Yeah. So heading into quilting... Who introduced you to quilting? It was actually a shop that was here in the Dayton area. It's no longer in business. It went out several years ago. And I was finishing up grad school at the time. And I was working full time and finishing up grad school. And you get into that pace of go, 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 go. And you don't know how to rest and relax. (laughs) When I was finally finished, I didn't know what to do with myself. So I went to this store and bought a sewing machine and looked all around and grabbed their class schedule and signed up for just about every class that they had in there. And that's where I learned. Wow. Were there other classes besides quilting classes or were they mainly different types of quilting? It was a sewing slash quilting store. So they did offer like some garment making. I think they did some homeschool classes for kids. I've never really been into making garments, making clothes. So I gravitated more towards the quilting side. So I took their, I think it was Quilting 101 that they had, took their free motion class twice because it didn't stick the first time. They had some basic applique classes that I got into. And once I got kind of through those basic classes, I went back and bought a second machine, this time an embroidery machine and started through the embroidery classes. So I kind of learned the basics of embroidery. I did one software classes. So it just kind of grew from there. Wow. Tell me about your favorite tool. That's 
kind of a hard one because I tend to go one way or another. So I'm either really, really basic or really, really specialized. So I think in general, it's going to be a really good sewing machine and it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, the one that's going to be the same cost as a car. I feel like buying the right sewing machine is like trying on shoes. You have to find the one that best fits you. So a really good, good basic sewing machine. And I like a really sharp rotary blade, (laughs) a nice straight ruler. As far as specialty tools, my favorite specialty tool of all time is called the five and dime ruler by Kansas Troubles. And it utilizes layer cakes and charm packs. So 10 inch squares and five inch squares. And it's one of my favorite pieces of all time. You can do different things with it, but the basic premise is that you put those two pieces together, you make a couple quick little cuts, and you've got a quilt in a matter of a day or so. Wow. Can you describe your favorite part of the quilting process? Oh, yeah, always the beginning. I always like the planning of it. I like the picking of the colors. I do follow patterns, but I don't always follow them verbatim. So I'll look at a pattern and I'm visual. So oftentimes I'll look at the picture and just kind of look at it and I can usually picture it in different colors than what it's showcased on a pattern. And oftentimes too, I can take a look and, you know, we as quilters, as we grow, we can usually see how the units are put together. And so, yeah, the planning of it is always my favorite part. Yeah. Now tell me about your worst quilting experience. Oh, good Lord. (laughs) This one jumped right out in my mind. The worst quilting experience I had was the second quilt that I ever made. And at the time, my brother-in-law and his wife were having a baby. And I wanted to make sure that my niece had a quilt made by her Aunt Jen. And so I made my first quilt as a practice one. And mom still has it, actually. It was a Christmas quilt, and she brings it out every Christmas. So I did that practice, and I don't even remember what the pattern was. It was very, very basic, like a four-patch or a nine-patch, very basic. The disaster came. I pieced it just fine. The disaster came when I went to quilt it. At that point, I don't think I had taken enough classes. (laughs) I should have signed up for those again, and I found out the importance of a walking foot. So talk about a great basic tool to have because that quilt I cried through, I suffered through. And to this day, if it's still even around, it's got puckers in it all over. And at that point, I didn't know why. And I called mom crying and she didn't know what to do either because she hadn't taken these classes with me. But after the whole disaster, and I did give it and they loved it because Aunt Jen made it. Yeah, definitely learned the value of a good walking foot and went out and bought one, and I still have it. And the, when I took my, I only took one quilting class as, as of right now, but mm-hmm. when I signed up for that, that was on the list of things to have, and I had no clue what it was. Yes, I tell everybody, if you don't have one, you need to have one. And it's another one, like you try on shoes, it has to be the right one to fit your machine. Oh, there's more than one? Oh, yes. Typically, we tell people to stick with whatever brand machine you have. You want to get the foot that's going to match your machine brand. 
and they're all just a little bit different. Some of them are different sizes, but obviously they come in different brands. But yeah, you want to get the one that fits your machine. Hmm. So why do you make quilts? Why would you sit down and make a quilt rather than work on another kind of craft? I think, honestly, it goes back to the teacher roots and maybe the student roots, you know, when back when I was in school myself. We talked earlier, my favorite two subjects were always math and art. And I feel like quilting is the perfect combination between those two things. I talk a lot about left brain, right brain, different things too. And I think that plays right into it. So your left brain is going to be happy with all the mathematical and getting the points together and making it all fit together. Your right brain is going to be happy with the colors and the prints and the making it pretty. And I just feel like it's the perfect marriage between those two. Neat. And who do you make your quilts for? I think I have made something, not necessarily quilts, but something that I have quilted or sewn, whether it be, you know, placemats, table runs for everybody in my family. But um, one Christmas, that was my goal to make sure that I made something handmade for everybody. It's a little bit different now having the shop in tow because a lot of my focus is going to be what's going to be the next thing on display, what's going to be the next thing at the next quilt show. And so it's a little bit different. And honestly, I don't have a whole lot of time to sew anymore, which is a double-edged sword. I have this beautiful, beautiful shop filled with beautiful, beautiful things. And someday I'll get back to making things for me and making things for the family, but it's kind of on hold at the moment. Yeah. So are you able to be working on anything for yourself at this point or is everything for the store? Yeah, everything's for the store Okay. for the most part. When people come in and ask me, hey, Jen, what are you working on? I usually tell them that my this month's show and tell are going to be the spreadsheets that I make. <laughs> <laughs> and they're pretty, too. They're color-coded and everything. Yeah, because my next question was, what are you working on now? So, I Yeah, lovely spreadsheets that are color-coded. <laughs> I, I do throw in a couple of shop samples every now and then. So nice. I try to make at least something small once a month to bring in. Do you have any other tips to share? I think in meeting the many, many quilters that we've met over the last eight years that we've been here, I think it's important for all of us to make ourselves go outside of our box just a little bit. It doesn't have to be uncomfortable, but just a little bit of a stretch. For example, my stretch would be to straighten up my sewing room and keep myself a little more organized. I know that there are other people that are so organized in their sewing room that it paralyzes them and they don't create because it's just a little messy. Some people get stuck in the same pattern and they only make quilts out of that one same pattern. And I think it's important that we stretch ourselves. So if it's a class that's going to stretch you just a little bit, if it's trying something just a little bit different, a new tool a new technique. I think it's important. There's so much to learn in this art, in this craft. And if you stay in one little bitty rut that you've built for yourself, you're never going to grow. Hmm. Well, tell me about your shop. Sure. So we just celebrated our eighth birthday. So the little shop is now officially eight years old. 
We are in downtown Miamisburg, which is a southern suburb of Dayton, Ohio. And we are in a beautiful 200-year-old building. We're on the National Historic Registry. And I just love the history of this old building. I love being here. The downtown is a really up-and-coming, vibrant place. And our main street has shops and restaurants and different things up and down. And I love being a part of it. The shop itself has expanded twice since we've been here in eight years. So we now actually take up this whole corner of the block. So the older part of the building is right up front on Main Street. And then back behind, we've got a couple of rooms. So we kind of end up being long and skinny. I love being a part of it. I love meeting all of the quilters who bring their pieces in. I love seeing what they're working on. It's just a wonderful, creative community to be a part of. I like how you have written you want your quilt shop to feel like cheers. Yes, I do believe we have achieved that. So there are a great number of people that when they come in, even now that we're wearing masks in the store, I recognize them. I know their names. I know their families. Now we do get a lot of new people in as well. And we were fortunate enough to be featured in Quilt Sampler Magazine in the spring of 2019 as one of the top 10 shops. So we still get new people who are traveling who stop in because they have that magazine and they're going up and down the freeway and realize they're so close. So it's wonderful to meet the new people. But I think it's really important, especially in a quilt shop, that it's a welcoming place that you get a smile and you can see a smile even with a mask on. You can tell that somebody's smiling. I think that's important. Well, congratulations on having your shop in the magazine. Thank you. How did it feel to open that magazine and see your shop? Oh, it was unbelievably surreal. (laughs) The process itself is a long time coming. So I knew months and months ahead of time and had to keep it a secret for a long, long time. And when the day finally came, we had a big party planned. We had a big cake and a big celebration. The support from our quilters here in the area was unbelievable. We had a party for two days. And we had hundreds of people come through during that two-day period, just, you know, wishing us well and buying our copy of the magazine. Seeing it in print is definitely a surreal experience. Now, we mentioned the shop, but tell us the name of your shop. Yes, we are the Little Shop of Stitches in Miamisburg, Ohio, just south of uh, Dayton area. And that's such an interesting name. How did you come up with that? Yeah, so as the process came through of selecting a name, at the time that we opened, we did carry yarn at that time. So we had hand embroidery, we had machine embroidery, we had quilting and sewing, and then we also did a little bit of crochet and knitting at the time. So I wanted it not just to be quilting at that point, and that's where the stitches came from. A little bit of everything, but especially crafters and quilters, we tend to um, have more than one technique up our sleeve, and we tend to do more than one thing, sometimes at the same time. (laughs) And then, truly, it was supposed to remain a little shop. When we first opened, it was just half of the size that it is today, and at that point, I honestly thought it was too big. I wanted it to stay small. I wanted it 
to feel small, that small, friendly, cheers kind of feeling. Mm -hmm. But as we grew and changed, the quilting became a little bit more. So we ended up not carrying the yarn anymore. So we truly are more of a quilt shop now and focus just on that area. And we're no longer little. So we are 4,000 square feet. We've got a huge classroom that at this point in time during the pandemic, we're not doing a whole lot of classes, but we'll get back to it eventually. And so we just keep growing year after year. So during this time, you're keeping your customers interacting with you in other ways. Can you tell me about that? Yes. So here in Ohio, we were shut down for two months. And I know that there were other states and other shops that were shut down even longer than that, but two months felt like an eternity. So when that happened, I still came to the shop as the owner six days a week, Monday through Saturday, and then did all of the paperwork, stuff, the spreadsheets I talked about that happened on Sunday. And Monday through Saturday, I jumped on Facebook and we had interactive Facebook live sales, which we still continue to this day. We've got a private Facebook group with 850 of my closest friends. And then we've got a main Facebook page that we do live sales on there as well. We started playing games because nobody could go anywhere. The last thing I wanted was for people to be stuck and start feeling despair. I think we all kind of felt that during that time. I wanted to, at the very least, hold on to the people that I knew were home had to stay home, but they didn't have any choice in the matter and do the best that I could to put a smile on their face, to give them a reason for getting up in the morning, for giving them a reason to continue working on that sewing machine. So we played games, we had fun, we laughed. Once or twice we cried, but, <laughs> and that continues. So fortunately, you know, that the world is at least a little bit better off than it was then, but a lot of those lessons learned we continue. So my goal every morning is still to put a smile on people's face, to give them a reason to get out of bed in the morning, to give them a reason maybe to venture out of their house, even if it's just a little bit. And I know that it'll take some people a long time before they're comfortable doing that. We still offer online services. We still offer curbside pickup. We're open only four days a week at this point, but I think right now that's enough. Yeah, that's great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I also saw this. What is Border Creek Mystery, Quilter's Inspiration? What's that about? Yeah. So Border Creek is a pattern designer, and they're out of Canada. I can't remember what part of Canada she's in. And she has done this program, oh, my goodness, for I think at least 10 years. So we've done it for the last three or four. And she puts out a mystery pattern to shop owners so that we can host mystery classes here in the shop. And they are extremely well-written. And we've done, like I said, I think this is year four for us. So when the world is normal, we bring this group of ladies together and they do a class and they only focus on one section of the pattern. And they only get one section of the pattern each month so they can only go so far. And they have no idea what they're making. They start in the very beginning of the process. It's an eight-month process. It's a long journey. So they start only with fabric requirements. 
So it's a very basic list of you need, you know, this many yards of a main fabric and this many yards of a background and this for accent. And they walk around and they select their fabrics. And that is the part that's fun for me is helping to put those together. So our mystery quilters come in once a month and work on the next piece. And they're actually almost done, I believe. We had to take a little break during the pandemic when everybody was closed. But I believe they're coming very close to the end on this one. So it should be fun when they finally get to reveal what they're working on. How neat. I did see that on your calendar and wondered how you did that. Yeah. Is there anything else you would like to share with me? I just want to thank you, first of all, for inviting me on here today. I think it's a wonderful community. The quilter community is always very cooperative, very supportive. I believe you shared with me that it was actually one of our customers who kind of put you in touch with me, and I'm going to make sure that I thank her. I'm just pleased as punch to be with you here today and for you taking the time to talk to me. Well, I thank you. It's great to visit with quilters. Yes. And I just love that you were so willing to be on with me today. Absolutely. Thanks, Paula. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. Bye. So glad you joined me for this episode of A Quilter's Life. You can find more stories on aquilterslife.com or subscribe on your favorite podcast player so each episode will be downloaded automatically. If you're enjoying this podcast, would you consider leaving a review as it helps others to find the show? Also, I want to hear about you and your wonderful quilts. Please contact me, Paula Chamberlain, through the website or a Quilters Life Facebook group to set up an interview. And as always, thanks for listening.